0: Welcome to the fifth episode of ask the water polo goalie. If this is your first time here, my name is Glenn Bush. I'm an assistant coach for the USSD men's water polo team. I'm a goalie and I've been coaching the position for 18 years. This podcast is me answering the questions about the goalie position, how to play it, uh, how to train for it, uh, how to coach it. And I'll answer any questions about water polo. If you want that answer from the goalie perspective. You know, maybe you're a field player that has questions about shooting or how do you beat a goalie. So if you have a question, you can email it to me at thewaterpolagoalie at gmail.com. Or you can leave me an audio recording that I'll include in the show. So the link for both my email and the audio recording I'll put down in the description. You know, any question you may have, other people probably have it too, so just ask away. And another thing before we get going, just a little programming note. Now I'm looking to release an episode every two weeks. I think this is the best setup for me. I do have a regular job. I'm also running a podcast and making videos for that job too. So I don't want to burn myself out completely on everything. So shooting for an episode every 2 weeks is probably the best. But we'll see, you know, if I can get into a flow and if your questions are piling up, then I'll see about going to kind of a once a week type show. And with that, I'm happy to say this episode is based on the first questions I received from a listener. That's from Megan. So Megan, thank you for your questions. Uh, Her first question is a point of clarification about something I said in episode one. I was talking about studying your opponent and finding the person on the other team that you want to handle the ball and that who you want to take the shot. Now, I'll read Megan's complete question so I don't mess it up by trying to paraphrase it. So, quote, you referred to moving the ball to the player who you wanted to shoot, whether it was the weakest shooter or the player you could read the best. From this, I assume you somehow told your team who you wanted to shoot. What would you suggest is the best way for a goalie to communicate with their team before, during, and possibly after the game? I'm aware the instructions, setup, and execution would be different with every team, but I'm still curious on what has been the most effective for you, both playing and coaching. Would you suggest specific instructions during the game like, Timmy, go press the two position, so that way the four spot is forced to shoot, or would you use more vague ideas like someone press one two side? So the goalie is not distracted on trying, move people, causing them to be less focused on the ball. Unquote. I'm going to start with the last part. Uh, the answer is essentially yes. Now, always give specific instructions to specific teammates whenever possible. If I want the ball to be shot from the four spot, and I want Timmy to press the two spot, I will yell, Timmy, press the two spot. And if I know what number is at the two spot, I would say, Timmy, press the two spot. Press number five. And if I don't want him to foul the two spot, if the ball is, you know, if the ball's there already, I would yell at Timmy, press no foul. You know, I want specific instructions and tell Timmy what I want done. If you just yell someone press, you know, press the two spot or the one-two side, you're probably going to end up with two or more people going up to the ball, leaving an opposing player open for a cross pass, and probably just an easy goal. And while you may want to blame your teammates for leaving a, a person open, as your coach, I'll get on you for not giving a clear command if the situation allowed for you to give a clear command. But let's say the ball is already at the four spot. and I'm the goalie and I'm focused on the ball and the defense immediately in front of me. Now I might have to say something vaguer like press the one two side, you know, no cross pass. And now it is on my teammates to effectively communicate with each other and sort out who has who a common issue we all get, this isn't a zone defense, is when field players know that's going to be a four drop or some sort of four or five zone defense and they're on that one-two side, they still drop off the one-two side and they get caught looking at the two meters while the player they're supposed to be guarding moves into a shooting pocket or drives and gets open for a cross pass that just completely hangs you out to dry. That situation, that is 100% on the field player's fault. If you're a field player... And you're on that one-two side and it's a zone defense on that four or five side, and your goalie told you to to press the one-two, or your coach has told you to press that one-two, don't drop. You don't hang them out to drive with those easy cross passes. And on top of that, you know, when I'm in the goal in those situations, I like to remind my T defense when the ball does move to that four or five side that I want them to remain in a press on that opposite one-two side. I don't want to turn my head and take my eye off the ball. You know, I just, it's just a friendly reminder to my team about what they're supposed to be doing. Maybe they are starting to look in and just saying that brief, hey, press that one, two, even without looking over there, forces those defenders on the one, two side to get back up into their lanes. And again, so that situation, that's a vague command. That's where I just say, hey, press the one, two, no cross pass, press that one, two side. And then it's up to those field players on that one, two side away from the ball to sort out who has who and communicate any switches and drives happening on that side. And also in an ideal world, your coach and you should be working in tandem on running the team defense. And hopefully your coach can help you with some of that off ball stuff. So if you're focused on the four or five side, they're hopefully taking a look at that one, two side and see if there's anything breaking down. And if there's an assistant coach on the bench, you, know, you really would like to see the assistant coach helping you communicate with the defense on that off ball side. You know, the head coach will probably want to jump in on what's happening with the ball just with you as well. And when I'm on the bench as an assistant coach role, you know, I let the goalies handle the main communication of the team defense and handle all the on ball stuff but if I see a breakdown on the off-ball side, you know, I'll jump in and try to fix it so the goalie doesn't have to turn her head, they don't have to worry about it, and so we don't have to worry about cross-passes happening when they're not expecting it. Now, I'll talk about the first part of Megan's question after this brief message from our sponsor. Back to Megan's first part. If you know the team you're playing and you know their personnel, then the most effective communication will be the pre-game communication. Ideally, you have a couple of days or more before the game to really drive home the point and work on your game plan for this team. But let's say it's a tournament you only have a few hours before game time. You, know, you should be having a pre-game meeting before warm-ups. And as a goalie, I would talk with your coach before the meeting too so that both of you are on the same page. But it is in this pre-game meeting that you need to tell your teammates who you ideally want to handle the ball or who you want taking the, the shots. You know, you're tr- who do you want the other team to try and beat you with? You know, also in this pre-game meeting, you're telling them when two meters gets position, I'm going to bring help from the four spot. You know, you may start to press, but if it breaks down, this is the zone defense that I'm going to run based on who I want shooting the ball on the other team. So if that's going to be, hey, I'm going to bring help directly from the four spot, then you need to remind them, hey, that one two side, you need to be up in those lanes and press. Now I will bring side pressure and crash pressure on two meters from the five spot and from the from the point if I'm going to drop off that four. And it, it goes without saying, you know, this may all change during the game. So at that point, you're gonna use quarter breaks and halftime to adjust your team defense. Maybe you see a player that hangs out at the two spot or point that isn't the best shooter, and you'd rather drop off that person and bring active side pressure to them to make them think and to force them to rush the wrong pass or take a bad shot. And that person probably might not have been the first person you thought was gonna be, you know, the person on the team that you wanna handle the ball, it's someone new. So you would use that quarter, use that halftime to make that shift. And it could be any other number of things that happen during a game that you need to make adjustments. But it's at these moments that you need to take charge of your defense and make game plan changes on the fly. You know, you want to set your team defense up for success and you want to set yourself up for success. If you see a material change or weakness in the middle of a quarter, then you can use the half court court lineups to make a very quick change. But it has to be very quick, specific instructions to a specific player or to your whole team. If it's to the whole team, you need to know that they all understand what you want, or you're gonna have even bigger problems. Ideally, you have, say, two to three different defensive schemes or zones that you run as a team. And you would use an after goal lineup to communicate that change to your entire team. And then hopefully your team in general is just a good communicating team. And then that way, everyone at the lineup, they'll make sure everyone else knows what is happening. You know, they would confirm what you said with each other passing along and checking in with their closest teammates so that they all know what they're doing, who they're guarding and what defensive scheme they're running. If you don't have those set schemes, trying to set up a new defense at those um, after goal lineups is going to be very problematic. I would just kind of wait for a quarter break uh, where maybe the coach has a whiteboard and you can kind of draw something up. But if you have set schemes that everyone knows and you've practiced, that's where you can make those quick changes. With Megan's question, I think the clarification came from the example I used, which again, that's in episode one. So if you want to go listen to that, and that was about moving the ball, you know, kind of more in the moment of the game. It's kind of a quick, quick read. You know, I see a weakness and I want to exploit it. So yeah, you know, it'll be drop off number five in our front court defense or telling a teammate in transition D to go press a specific player so that the ball ends up in number five's hands and they have to push the counterattack. Maybe they're slow and letting them swim it up allows my team to catch them. Or maybe they're a bad shooter and I'll take my chance with them anywhere in the pool over any other player. Now, this is all in the heat of the moment reads, and this just comes with experience, Uh, comes with knowing your opponent well. And again, my commands are short, sweet, and very specific. And I use the names of my teammates in the commands too. Using their name gets their attention faster and it makes it well known who you want to execute your command. Yeah, there is some post-game communication. Uh, that's mainly you taking notes about the other team, uh, their personnel, uh, what they do. You're just always updating your notes. It's also a time to review a situation with a teammate. You know, if they did something wrong or just communication between you and them is off, you know, you can review with them what your commands mean, you know, what they what you want them to do. Uh, post-game is also a time to communicate what needs to be worked on in the next practice or the next game. Um, it's also a time if they did something good in a situation that maybe you weren't expecting, that you pointed out and you encourage them to do it again. Or maybe it's something you saw in your setup, a little command between just the two of you within your broader defensive scheme to set something up to take advantage of that team again. An example of this kind of little code in a broader defensive scheme comes from my college days. Uh, this actually started with the goalie before me, but our primary two meter guard and I, we had a little code. Uh, he would call out Lucky, which was code for me to get ready to steal the ball, or I could call it out too if I saw a read. And usually, though, it was a two-meter guard. Uh, he would let the two-meter man kind of back him down a bit uh, and position himself, giving me a better lane onto two meters and on the, on the entry pass. And that extra space in that lane position would entice an entry pass. And so the very quick read was, you know, that ball was going to leave that field player's hands. It was going to be an entry pass. So as soon as it left their hand, I would break on the ball and I would usually get the rise of the ball, landed on the water and I and you get the steal. I was okay at this. The The previous goalie in our 2-meter guard had the system to perfection. They executed it so well that Joey, that was the previous goalie, he led the team in steals, I believe. And I even think he cracked top five, maybe even top three in the record book when he graduated for single season steals. So kind of the too long, didn't read type message here is... Yeah, the communication is always going to be slightly different pregame, in the game, and post-game. You know, post-game you have a lot of time. Pre-game you have a little bit of time, not a whole lot. You gotta cover a lot of different things. And whatever you do pregame is gonna switch a lot in those midgames, And during the game, yeah, it's gotta be short, sweet, uh, and direct commands. And you really only can make broad defensive scheme shifts if you've only worked if you've worked on that defensive scheme in practice. And Megan here also had a second question about coaching and refing that I kind of want to answer. So again, I'll, I'll quote the question. Uh, what do you suggest is the best way to begin coaching or refing? And what is your mental approach to both coaching and refing? Unquote. If you want to get into refing, talk to a ref. You know, Hopefully you can see them at a game and ask them who you need to contact about getting into it. Or you can go to your coach and see who they know who you need to talk to. You know, Coaches are in contact with the ref organizations to get refs on their games, so they have a point of contact. And every ref organization for Waterpool is looking for more refs. You're needed. Now, it does take a thick skin, and you're gonna have coaches and players and fans yelling at you, and the fans tend to not know the rules so that even probably more frustrating, but like all things, you know, you're going to get better at roughing if you take it seriously and work on your skills. You, know, you might not be very good at beginning. roughing; is different than playing, but if you approach it like you did when you're playing of practicing and trying to get better, well, you'll get better and the yelling will come down a little bit, not a whole lot. Uh, for coaching, see if your local club or any club that you may know needs help with their younger age groups. You don't have to be the head coach. But you can help you know you can get in the water go to games and tournaments and start getting the feel of what it's like to be a coach coaching is like playing you learn from those more experienced and just throwing yourself into it you know your great pro coaches worked under other great coaches and they moved around to work under other good coaches to learn their craft they weren't the legends they are now when they started it took years of toiling away as assistants learning by their mistakes and then when they finally got their head coaching jobs they still made mistakes, but they had this wealth of experience that they could draw on of good things to do and what bad things to avoid to really get their career going. But the main way to get better at coaching is just start coaching. Now, I got into coaching because my good friend, and old teammate, asked me to help him out. Uh, he had just become the head coach at Torrey Pines High, and he asked if I could coach the JV team. I had just graduated college. I've, I had never coached. Um, but I looked at it and said, ah, why not? I got free time and 18 years later i'm still coaching and i really love it you know when i started i was good at the x, x and os uh, and all kind of the, coaching the skills based but the managing a team and managing the players you know that was a whole other skill level and that it took time to learn it you know i yelled too much at the beginning i got after refs too much sorry I've, i feel like i've mellowed out a lot more uh, i was treating each game like i was a player and it was my senior season even though this was kind of a JV high school season. You know, I, again, I've learned a lot. I've adjusted my style. I've watched other coaches and said, I don't want to be that way. I want to be like that. And so I keep adjusting and I keep practicing and I keep learning myself. And I like to think I have a great relationship with all my former goalies. And I think that at least says something about my style and my effort to be my best for them. Now I show up to give my goalies the best of me every day. And I think they see that and it motivates them to do the same for me. Now, they're also just highly motivated individuals and they just grind and work hard on their own. But if I showed up and just didn't care about them, you know, that can be deflating. But if you want to be a great coach, you know, you need to study the great ones. You need to learn from them. Uh, You need to study the bad ones, uh, learn what not to do from them. Maybe you have a coach from your past that you never want to be ever. You know, that's, those are good lessons to take to heart. You know, uh, I kind of already touched on this, but mentally I just show up ready to work. You know, that want to work every practice. And regarding the coaching, you usually have kind of an overarching outline for the season and, and kind of you break that down week by week, but it's like a game. You know, we make adjustments on the fly. Do what you need to do to show up on the pool deck ready to work. If it looks like you don't want to be there, you'll get the same motivation out of your players. Or if they want to work and you're not matching them, then they'll lose respect for you and you've lost the whole team and you've lost the season. I hope that helps. And I want to say thank you again, Megan, for the questions. If anybody else out there has a question, you can send me an email or leave me an audio message for an upcoming show. Again, I'll put those both in the description so you can send me an email or send me an audio message. If you want to support the show, there's a Cap 7 affiliate link in the description. So if you're going to get some gear or supplies, you know, use that link and I get a small commission and it helps the show. Uh, you can support the show directly. There's another link in the description where you can just select a dollar amount and donate it. And I'll see you guys again in a couple of weeks.